<laughs> okay, here we go. It is uh, the third week of Festive Summer. Hello, everybody. Today we're going to be Hello. talking about. Welcome back. It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. My Yeehaw. name is Yeehaw. Emma. I'm Freddie. And I'm Connor. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Is that the first time you said Connor and not Sea Bear? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Is it? Maybe. I think it is. Yeah. Well, anyway. anyway um, <laughs> Fans, play back, let us know. Both both names work. Um, we, we go back and forth. My so. government name's Sea Bear, but my friends <laughs> call me <laughs> my Connor. My friends call me Connor. <laughs> <laughs> my parents gave me the name Sea Bear. On my uh, birth certificate. <laughs> Big Papa Sea so Bear. we have... Yeah, first name Big Papa, middle name Big Sea, Papa. last name Bear. <laughs> Second last name Peyton. Yep. <laughs> hey, we're not revealing last names here. Are we not revealing no, last names? No, these are no, these are dark times. <laughs> uh, I've definitely said my last name because it's my letterbox profile in like so every true. episode. So have I. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> go back in and retroactively censor every single time we say our last. Also, name. I'm pretty sure I just like screamed in the mic. Sorry, everybody. Um. We have a wonderful show for you today. Um, it's a wonderful show. Just so you know, um, we are talking about It's a Wonderful Life, which is my festive December pick. Uh, and we're also going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching lately. We're also going to talk briefly about um, some recent awards nominations. And we're also going to recap our monthly theme festive December and here's why we're doing that because we're gonna take a long break from the show uh over the next couple weeks for the holidays and we will return in January with a new theme which we will reveal at the end of the show today so check out those uh time stamps in your episode notes to kind of uh guide your listening um but yeah yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna tell you what our what January theme is today, uh, later at the at the end of the show. Uh, but no, we won't be talking about a specific new release like we have the last two months. In the last two months, we did Killers of the Flower Moon and the Holdovers. We're not gonna be doing that this month. We're gonna be taking a break and returning to you in January with a new theme. So, um, yeah, let's. Uh, Let's let's do that. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, Connor, Sea Bear, what have you been watching recently? Uh, recently, I watched Love Actually for the first time ever. Ayo, uh, it is Big a fan. movie. Is a movie that has been like pretty much shoved into the zeitgeist as like a. Yeah. You know, like one of the best Christmas yes. movies, I feel like. It's definitely super, been forced in the way. Yeah. yeah, it's super parodied. I mean, everyone knows the, you know, say that it's Christmas Carolers scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah it's the first time I saw this uh, and I thought it was just okay. I thought it was good. Um, yeah. It's pretty. It's uh, It's pretty meaty for, for, for a movie. It's got a lot of storylines. For a rom-com, yeah. Rom yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, go ahead. Sorry. Continue. Yeah, there's too much. 
there's too much rom than comb in my opinion but also like there's just there's too many so many storylines yeah, there's just too many storylines, and a lot of them could have been cut. Because it's like I understand, like I liked the interconnectivity of them all. Of like, oh, this is this okay. person's neighbor, and like this person's here, and all like they're all kind of connected. And, yeah, yeah, they're all connected in some way. But at the same time, it's like it just feels too bloated for for certain storylines. So, of like, what what are we doing here? I'm going to put you on blast right now. Uh, what two storylines would you cut from Love Actually? Oh, the biggest one is Martin Freeman's storyline. What are the weakest links? What are the weakest links? You think the porn story is the weakest yeah. one? Oh, for That's sure. That's my favorite it, one. It goes That's my no favorite storyline. That's my favorite oh, storyline, and I'll tell you why. Um, but go ahead. What's your second one? The second one would probably be Bill Knight, Bill Bill Knightley's storyline bill nye story yeah oh i love that one he okay so i also i mean there's many i mean like i also have colin Firth's storyline as the chopping block too (laughs) which one colin Firth's storyline completely what you literally named the top three storylines no, I think okay. I think Alan Rickman's storyline is the best. It's the best storyline. This is crazy. This is crazy to me. Okay, like him and Emma Thompson. Movie. So that's what this is. This that's the that's the so, core of this movie. Is the storylines? It's it's debate. Yeah. It's what's your favorite storyline? What what do you think is the worst? And then everybody. Sure, got sure, their, sure. So I also watched Love Actually this week because I always watch Love Actually every December. It is one of my. It's probably in my top five Christmas movies. Um, I also recognize its faults. I think it is a incredibly flawed movie. It is poorly written in a lot of ways and is overstuffed. But it is so star studded and it has so many iconic lines. And, um, yeah, I, I love to rewatch this movie every year. So, um, I would say the weakest plot lines for me are probably we got to cut the Keira Knightley, Andrew Garfield storyline, Andrew Garfield, sorry, Andrew Lincoln, uh, storyline out of here because, um, it's problematic. It's weird. Uh, he's in love with his best friend's wife and Kieran Kieran Knightley 17 years old in this movie and it's just weird so I could go without that um and then the other one that I say we don't need is probably hmm now I'm now now I have to like think about this but I would say maybe oh crap we did. We we said we weren't going to talk about this for a long time, but then you said something super controversial. So <laughs> you yeah, just brought it I up. Am. I was going to keep moving along. Keep I know. Following. I know. <laughs> but I'm ready to said, move along with this. You said you said Martin Freeman, and I and that made me mad because all of the storylines are incredibly problematic, except for that one. That's the only pure. A wholesome storyline in the whole movie mm. is these two porn stars have like a very like innocent wholesome relationship and it's adorable. They just don't. The reason so, why I say they should cut them is because they don't that. get enough spotlight. That's why. Like it's yeah, just the fact it's, of, like they're like the a background best, character. The best story, but maybe that the has best the one is probably the dad and the stepson. Is really that's a really fun yeah. Liam Neeson's is Liam Neeson's is great. The Alan Rickman Emma Thomason one is the best, that's but so has good. the worst ending. 
because of the fact yeah. of like like they kind of leave you up and ended of like are they divorced are they not i don't know love is well, love i mean yeah i think that's the point yeah but <laughs> yeah. um but, but then, yeah it, but, that's also i think that's more iconic to me than the than the and then hugh grant's is Carol the best because it's hugh grant yeah <laughs> Go yeah. on. Yeah. So yeah, I mean like they're the all, movie the movie has great. every Yeah, the movie has everything that I like, which is hot people being hot. Like as a bisexual's dream, like it is so <laughs> hot, good. Hot people like, <laughs> Hot people being hot. Yeah, it's like, got cool, everything I want. Famous Honestly, people. If yeah. we if we make merch you, I want, I want a shirt that says, it's got everything I want. Hot people being hot. <laughs> and then under it, quote, see <laughs> Bisexual's dream. Yeah, on the back it says bisexual's dream. Hell yeah. That's how I feel about a night's tale, honestly. But yeah, like, um, it, no, like but it's like, not, it's yeah, not you bad. Have, like, and the I, husband... I knew going into it, like, it's a rom-com. So it's like, it has so much cheese and stuff. Like, But it's just like, it, there's just too many storylines. And for something that like could have been like, really more like condensed especially because the movie that i've seen from this director before that sobs me to tears is about time i love that movie yeah about time is good so and so it's just um, it feels more focused with that one whereas this one it's like it's got a lot which is like i get it but it also has mr bean so i also gave it a couple stars for that the emma thompson (laughs) alan rickman storyline always brings me to tears Yeah, yeah and they're all problematic except for the porn stars one like you have your husband cheating on his wife with his secretary and then you have the inappropriate relationship with the friend and then and then even um the the hugh the hugh grant storyline is like cute but it's still like he fell in love with his like somebody who works with him and like that there's like that power dynamic and it's a little problematic so definitely a movie that's 20 years old Hasn't aged all that well, but (laughs) still iconic. Still has hot people being hot, and that's really all that matters. Yeah. Anyway, do you want to move on to your next movie? Hot people being hot. Uh, Apparently, it's apparently it's the it's the rom com equivalent of Vantage Point. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, And it's got Mr. Bean in it. It's also something that's been tried. It's been. People have tried to recreate Love Actually since 2003. Like, there's a Valentine's Day movie. There's a New Year's Eve movie where it has, like, the same idea mm-hmm. of all of these different storylines. I have a and feeling none I've of them seen... have worked quite like Love Actually. Has I have a feeling I've seen one of those movies. But I don't know if I've seen Love Actually. Anyway, Love Actually was the OG uh, British Christmas movie. The OG British Christmas movie. <laughs> but other than right. that, I've been watching... I've rewatched the muppets christmas carol it's one of those that i try to Hell rewatch yeah. every year uh not the best muppets movie but it's still pretty good it's, up it's there. definitely in my top five christmas movies as well and it is the best muppets movie but moving on the muppets another debate spark <laughs> another right debate now. goes on it's the muppet uh, it's the great muppet caper that was feisty um, but it's also because of the fact of like if the Muppets Christmas Carol is what I love about the Muppets, which is you have Gonzo as a main lead. If you have Gonzo as a main part in your story, I'm gonna love it because I love Gonzo. Um, but then other than that, I watched the night before the Seth Rogen, uh, Justin Gordon Levitt, Anthony Mackie comedy that I also am trying to make a traditional movie as well that I try to watch every year. This movie fucks so hard. It is so funny so good it has because of 
things in the future that happen that are I want to say probably it has James Franco in it. Let's just say that <laughs> as a surprise cameo. And that's like the thing that kind of like, like corrupts it a bit. But if you look past like that, like it is a very, very, very good movie. The best part, which like every like letterbox review for my friend, like the people that I follow in letterbox is pretty much everyone's like best review of it is like, well, it has Michael Shannon as a drug dealer, like angel. So it's really good. <laughs> yeah like he is one of the best parts of the movie and it's it's just a good message of like having these like i mean even with love actually like it being a rated r movie like there should be like more adult like christmas movies that aren't just like for for families and i think like the night before is the one where it's like yeah like you can you should be able to watch this instead of like what everyone does with like Die Hard is their favorite Christmas movie because it's like yeah it's the ultimate dad movie like of course <laughs> or like this this also could work too. Um, Somebody get that man some shoes. But then other than that, the biggest one that I watched was a bunch of Cartoon Network Christmas specials. Uh, over the past couple of years, what I've been doing is buying a bunch of Christmas specials from childhood shows that I loved on iTunes and everything. But I've been trying to watch those every time this year because I want to make those also a tradition as well instead of just doing How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Rudolph, Frosty, and the ones that we watched also as kids. But try to get these ones where it's like our shows. So the ones that I watched was Ed and Eddie's Christmas Special, which is Jingle, Jingle, Jangle, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, The Lost Claws, The Misadventures of Flapjack, Low Tidings, and the best one, chowder's christmas special hey hey it's Knishmas. and <laughs> with it it's just like all those christmas specials have like the best intentions in mind of like basically like harking back to those older christmas specials of like you can tell that these people like really want to make something that like should have been like in syndication like every year where cartoon network like replays them like around this time but i think like what kind of like killed a lot of these is the fact that like most people don't uh uh what's it called like don't watch cable anymore but also like don't really care about these like tv shows anymore and stuff because they're old but to me it's like a lot of these are super super good and it's like i guess like my thing for the audience for like homework wise would be like to kind of like go do that because like it's not even just cartoon network like i also watch the spongebob christmas special and like a bunch of nickelodeon ones like just think of like any tv show that you like like even now or like as a kid I guarantee you there's a Christmas special or holiday special that they have. And majority of them are pretty good to maybe decent because depending on the show that you're watching, but like some of them are pretty good of like watching them every year. So cool. Pretty much, pretty much what I've been watching. Nice. Freddie, what about you? Beans. So my movie, one movie singular, (laughs) which I also watched. Yep is actually a new release from once. Whoa! (laughs) Freddy's going to the theater. Look at me. Whoa! Touching grass! Whoa! Um, (laughs) Touching grass. Getting out of the house. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I went went with my cousin Gabby to see The Boy and the Heron. Nice, nice, nice. I, um... Yeah, got to overlap with both of you this week. Yeah. So, uh, The Boy and the Heron is Hayao Miyazaki's newest movie. 
Um, and I don't know. Did you see the dub or did you see the sub? I saw the dub. Okay. I also saw the dub. Yeah. I think it's kind of unavoidable uh, if you're trying to find a specific time to go to the movie because it's like, oh, I yeah. can only go at this time and it's only showing the dub. Yeah. So, but honestly, though, I wanted to see the dub. Um, I wanted to just see Just because sub. it has the, well, the cast for the dub is like. Oh, it's crazy. Is insane. It's so crazy. So I was like, I'll go see Robbie the dub. Robbie P is like really going hard. Honestly, if I didn't know that Robert Pattinson was the fucking Heron, Dude, I nuts. would not know until the credits rolled that that it's was freaking him. freaking nuts. It's insane. Okay. Fun fact about this movie. Um, and, and it re- relates to the voice cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian Bale is the voice of the father. Yeah. And um, he was also the voice of Hal in Hal's Moving yeah. Castle. The actor who was Hal, the original Japanese actor who was Hal, mm-hmm. is the also the father. Nice. So they like reused the actors for mm-hmm. both of these parts. And I just thought that was like a nice touch. Something Miyazaki would definitely want to do. Yeah. yeah, he has a good relationship with both of those actors. Um, but so, uh, Boy and Heron. If you haven't seen it, go see it. I mean, it's Miyazaki. If you don't know Miyazaki, uh, or studio, he's the most Ghibli. prolific Japanese yeah. animated yeah, filmmaker of all time. <laughs> so I mean, and he's like, and and it's that way, like for a reason. It's not like yeah. it's not like you know. And he's getting hyped, and there's there's other people that could possibly be on his level. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, like he's, he's kind been, of yeah, he's, it. Yeah, he's been such a major influence through for the for audience, decades. And for the I audience say, sake, we should say that Miyazaki is the guy that basically formed Studio Ghibli. Yeah, kind of kind of keep so, going, like thinking that they know it's Studio Ghibli. For the audience sake, it's the people that made Totoro yeah. and Spirited Away, Spirited Away, House Moving Castle, like she said with Christian Bale. So, like, yeah, it's all it's all those. It's his new it's his new film. Yeah, if you don't know anything about Japanese so, animated movies and you've seen a Japanese animated movie at some <laughs> point, you probably watched a Studio Ghibli movie because yeah, they're the most sure. popular outside of Japan. How, how what did you think of the Boy and the Heron? Um, I really liked it. Um, it's definitely one of his more like metaphorical yes. sort of out there movies. Yes. Like I'm gonna go see it again yeah. because Faith really wants to see it as well. I f- um, this is a common theme. Yeah, Faith really wants to see uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Faith really mm-hmm. wants to see The Holdovers. Faith really wants to see Boy and the Heron. But <laughs> we gotta get her, we gotta get <laughs> has she up. seen any of those yet? <laughs> Not yet. Okay. But we'll get we'll get her there. We'll get her there. She'll get there. Listen, she's just busy. So. Hey, she's too busy. Girl um, bossing. Come on. Girl bossing. Oh, <laughs> it's the same thing with Tasha. Like, me and Tasha's schedules are always mislinked, but it's like, hey, we're, we're trying to see Godzilla at this point. Mm-hmm. But I will say, so it's definitely, when I was watching it, though, I won't say too much because I do want people to go see it. It definitely felt like a man who has lived Mm-hmm. during every single major conflict yep. in the world for yeah i mean yeah the last, the last world 82 war II, years yeah. he was born during world war yes II, so. and like this yeah. just definitely in japan feels, yeah <laughs> so it, like it takes place during world war Two. <laughs> yeah but it's definitely like a major reflection on I just also think it's the hatred that exists yeah. in yeah. the world and and i yeah malice specifically malice. malice um i also watched this film and i also think it is 
someone who knows that they are the best. Mm-hmm. Like someone who knows yeah. that they are a master and that there's really yeah. nobody it, else who can do it like he can. Yeah. And, and not in like a and not in like <laughs> a, you know, arrogant way, but in mm-hmm. a reflective way. Like I feel yeah. like through this yeah. film he's kind of like looking back mm-hmm. on the last 40 years of films that he's made yeah. and kind of um it's like it's a retrospective and it's also an introspective yeah and um it's also about a guy who's at the end of his life possibly yeah and kind of like saying goodbye and he has said multiple times throughout his career this is my last film no this is my last film no this is my last film but this one kind of feels like it's his last film yeah it's not and I think he embodies <laughs> multiple characters in this movie. I think he. I won't say we, which we, ones, we don't need but. to spoil it, but I also <clears throat> think he. I think there are multiple characters that are stand-ins for, for the, him. Yeah, yeah, for the introspective and, and the, the retrospective. retrospective. Okay. But <laughs> what, the one thing I do want to say, just a, just a, not even a spoiler, but just a little gush for my boy Miyazaki out here. Like a gush of blood to the head. <sighs> yeah. Though, okay, Miyazaki. I love the way this motherfucker animates cars. Oh yes. my god. Like nobody makes a car as expressive as Miyazaki. Like if you watch The Castle of Cagliostro, <laughs> it's a loop in the third movie. The loop that in the third did, movie, yep. The fucking cars in that movie. As soon as the car shows up in this movie and it's doing its thing, if when you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's the scene with the car. Um I'm like, this is, it's just very much in that same vein where, like, he is not afraid to make a car, like, move in a way that where it's like, the car isn't as much of a rush as the person inside of it. Yeah. um, I just think that he does that with everything. He makes everything look like a character. He makes water look like a character. Exactly. Like, specifically, like, when a character is crying. Yes. Like... The, the tears that are coming out yeah are a character and um <laughs> he makes trees in this film look like characters like yeah he he gives everything like literally animates yeah everything because and he... um <laughs> i just think that uh that has a lot to do with the fact that so i i've been kind of listening to a lot of people talk about miyazaki lately in reflection of this film and the way he writes a movie is visually he draws first before he writes. And that is something that, um, he's, he's just so visionary. Yeah. He's, and it comes across so gorgeously in the images that are on the screen and the, the the images that he creates. It's just astonishing. So he understands that he animation is a fully expressive medium. And like, because you can, because you can animate because, because you are animating everything you can animate anything. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and you know, this is just, we've had only one animated film on our podcast so far, but um, animation is not for kids. Yeah. Animation is a medium to express ideas and thoughts and artistically expression. Mm -hmm. It is not, oh, 
you know, drawings it's not and just colors for for, kids. Ch for children. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And so um, I think animation needs more love. But I also am just so grateful that we live in the same universe as Hayao Miyazaki because he makes animation and he trusts children yeah. to understand at a level that is so advanced compared to kind of the animation that's made for children in America. Yeah. It's very like elevated and and intellectual and metaphorical. Yeah. And he's he's very trustful of his audience to kind of like connect the dots. He, he trusts children's ability to glean information from yes. something rather than just have it and to challenge them a little directly bit to them. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. It's one of my favorite movies of the year already. Um, I I loved it. So go watch it. It's beautiful. All right. Um, so on top of Love Actually and The Boy and the Heron, I also put on um, Hannah Waddingham's Christmas special on Apple TV, which is like a 45 minute like song and dance special. Do y'all know who Hannah Waddingham is? I do not. Yeah. Connor does. Uh, she played... Well, she's she's a West End star in London. Okay. But, like, which is, like, their version of Broadway. Uh, but she also played Rebecca on Ted Lasso. Okay. And so there were... She, she was, you know, basically on stage singing Christmas music, and there were a lot of, like, Ted Lasso stars on the, on the stage with her, like, doing bits and stuff. Um, are there any are there any West End shows that I would know that she would be in? I wouldn't know those things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know anything about West End. <laughs> um but I just um I just think Hannah Waddingham is probably the most beautiful woman that has ever existed. All right. All right. I'm not like I'm not exaggerating. Like mother, sorry. Mother, sorry. <laughs> mother, sorry. She is <laughs> she's draw jaw-droppingly hot. Okay. Anyway, hot people if you want to look hot. at literally, if you want to look at Hannah Waddingham, <laughs> just watch Home for Christmas on Apple TV. She's hot. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's the, that's the letterbox review. No, literally, hot, my period. letterbox review was Hannah Waddingham is the most beautiful woman <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> okay. I also watched. Um, <clears throat> Sam Esmail's Leave the World Behind. Sam Esmail was the creator of um, Mr. Robot, which was a uh, kind of like a hacker show. Mm -hmm. It was very popular a few years ago. Anyway, this film is an adaptation of a book, and it is um, starring starring um, Ethan Hawke, Julia Roberts, Muhammad, um, sorry, Mahershala Ali, Kevin Bacon <laughs> makes an appearance. Uh, and that's pretty much the cast. It's a pretty um, small cast. If you don't know what this film is about, it is about a family that takes a vacation, kind of like an Airbnb situation. And um, basically they live in New York City and they take, they get like a house on the beach in Long Island. And while they're there... Basically, the world collapses. Not even the world, I would say maybe America collapses. Okay. Because that's kind of all they know is what's happening where they are at. Yeah. Um, and it's essentially like a cyber attack. Mm. Um, 
So it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic thing, but it's not zombies. It's not a disease. It's like it's like you are disconnected from the world because yeah. you don't have access to television, to the internet, to your phone, like yeah. the way that like the modern world is so you know attached to those things. Um, it's and so a technological it's, apocalypse. It's 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 very horrific. There are some really um, intense scenes and horrific scenes. Um, but yeah, I think, oh, and then what happens is, um, this family that stays in this like rented home during the collapse of the world, well, the family that owns that home and lives in that home wants to come back Oh, because they want to retreat as well. They were in the city and they wanted to go back to their long island home where it's safer and they have you know they're they're very wealthy kind of thing um but it ends up kind of being this like social thriller Mm. and there's like this dynamic of the family that's staying in the house is like a white family but the family that owns the house is a black man and his daughter okay and so they're a little distrustful at first like is it really your house kind Mm of thing um and and all the while there's like they can't they don't know what's going on and so yeah. it's like very intense and it's like a thriller and um, there were a lot of things I liked about it I will say one thing without spoiling anything but physical media has its fucking day <laughs> in this movie I was so um, happy about that because I was like yeah bitch. Go Man, you tell buy that to Tasha. physical media. Go buy it. Go buy it. Um, stop streaming everything and buy media that you can hold with your hands and own see with something. your eyes. Literally, yeah. Own tell it to my shit. family. Like, why do you keep needing <laughs> more Blu-rays? I'm like, come on, own it. Well, did you buy, all... buy it? Buy you... it. Own it. <laughs> Real quick side note, because it ties directly to that. Have you all seen what happened with the Sony? I was just about uh, to bring up something else, but stuff. go ahead, yeah. They had, uh, God, I should I should have looked up the details about it, but I didn't think this was going to come up. Oh, yeah, uh, the, so- uh, yeah the Discovery the Sony, thing. It's yeah. Discovery, yeah. Are you Discovery, talking about HBO? No, 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 Discovery. Well, Discovery is HBO now. Well, Discovery. Are you talking about Watchmen? No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, well, no. Let, let, let me finish, Watchmen. because it's just, way bigger me, than like let one Let finish. Well, come on, get to it. Well, I'm trying, but <laughs> it's Sony, like they're, they their streaming like contract or whatever is up with discovery. Yeah. And so they put out a statement and they said, after this date, all of anything that's all of discovery. Titles. Yeah. It's not only gone. You can no longer play it on your PlayStation. Even if you bought so it. Oh my God. Mo- y'all. And there's no refunds. <laughs> yes. All the money yes. you spent. Yes. Fucking gone. So imagine like you don't own it. Yeah. And this is proof. You never yeah. owned it. For all of you like Apple people, if you if you own any film or TV show on Apple, imagine if Apple was like, iTunes. we're going to remove yeah. all, everything that you bought with your own money and you can't access it anymore. Like yeah. that's essentially what's happened. And that's what will happen when you don't own physical media. Yeah. So another thing that happened was HBO took Watchmen off. Oh, they've been doing this for not just Watchmen. Westworld is also gone. It's a staple of HBO. Again, Westworld is also gone from two months ago. Like, this isn't old news. Guess, (laughs) Guess what I did? I 
immediately went to eBay and, and bought, bought a copy of Watchmen on DVD. I was like, yeah, they are not taking that away from me because that is one of the best shows that HBO has ever why put Why do you out. think I'm clamoring? Physical media has always been my thing that Tasha like gets annoyed about because I always talk about physical media. And I'm like, this is why I'm nah. fucking begging to my knees that no. Netflix releases a Scott Pilgrim like anime Blu-ray. Like, please. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, and if they don't, we gotta do it. then that's going to be gone. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, so I have to do what Freddie did before they released the Neon Genesis Evangelion Blu-ray. Yo-ho, yo-ho, pirate's life for me. So, anyway. <laughs> I bought a, yeah. I, yeah, I bought a $200 yeah. bootleg copy of Neon Genesis yeah. Evangelion because there yeah. were no copies of it because yeah. the rights to it were spread across, like, four different things. Exactly. Or four different so companies. So, I've always so. said, I've always said, like, I buy physical media because, you know, what if the world ends and we can't, you know, access our streaming services? But not, like, it's even worse than that now because now our streaming services can just take it away from us whenever they feel like it. Yeah. So, well, by even physical that, media, if you really like something, if you it's really also, love something, buy it's also it, worse too. own it, hold it with your hands. Yeah. Also, physical media collectors are also begging that they release more physical media because you have yes. Best Buy that's also discontinuing the physical media. Exactly. So it's like, what yeah. is going on? No, yeah, literally. No, yeah. yeah. Because so, it drives allowed, me insane. Because the further we get, you're not. You're. We're allowed to own less and less. It's not. And it's not just physical media. We won't go down this whole thing. But you, we are physically being allowed being, to own being, yeah. less. Yeah, exactly. In general. Yeah. And so we're being priced out of everything. Yeah. So like the streaming yeah. service, the streaming services. It's great. It's convenient. I use them all the time. But it is like a sort of Damocles. Yes. So anyway, leave the world behind. Uh, great for physical media, uh, but yeah, it's also just a great social thriller if you're if you're into those kinds of things. It's and it's got a great cast and some really iconic scenes. So loved it. Um, anyway, that's that's it for our recently watched. I wanted to spend some time today talking about some recent nominations that have come out this week. Uh, the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice Awards were announced this week. The nominations were. And so um, how does that apply to uh, maybe like the Oscars, things like that? Um, not a lot, but it can. Uh, these nominations don't always match up with the Oscars, but, but it's they can. Close. Yeah, it, it, it can be close. They also have yeah. very different categories, and so they... You know, that always doesn't work out. For example, like the Globes have two different categories for Best Picture, which is comedy and musical and drama. Mm. And then the Oscars just do Best Picture. They don't do specific genre, you know, awards. And so you have something like uh, Barbie and The Holdovers and Poor Things Mm-hmm. which are being nominated in the comedy musical category and not in the drama category. But, you know, when it comes time for, you know, the the Oscar nominations in yep. January, yeah. they're probably going to be in the best picture conversation. Um, you know, best picture. Oscars do tend to kind of shut out super genre films like horror and sci-fi and things like that. But, you know, I think this is going to be a big year for comedy. Um Anyway, so we just want to spend like just a few minutes just talking about some surprises that we've seen, things that we're surprised to see nominated, and some snubs 
basically what a snub is, is somebody that should have been nominated that wasn't nominated. Or somebody that was expected to be nominated. Yeah. And wasn't. So I'll get us started. Okay. Some surprises for me. Things that I was um, surprised by. Um, May-December is getting a lot of love. I talked about May-December, I think, a couple weeks ago. It was a Netflix release this month. It's nominated for Comedy Musical and three acting awards for Natalie Portman, Julianne Moore, and Charles Melton, which um, I I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I am. Um, I'm, I'm more surprised that it's nominated in the comedy musical uh, section than I am about the, the actors about because I don't think Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman are going to get an Oscar nomination, but I think Charles Melton will get a supporting actor nomination for the Oscars. So I am surprised by that. Um, I was surprised that Jennifer Lawrence got an acting nomination. I'm really glad that that happened for No Hard Feelings, which was a comedy that came out way earlier this summer. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple of things here. Um, And then Nicolas Cage got a nomination. And that's another thing that the that the Golden Globes do, too. They do separate acting nominations for comedy and drama, too, except for supporting, which is just dumb. I just think it's dumb. <laughs> uh, if you're going to do best so actor my, drama, otherwise my best actor comedy, and then not do that for supporting actors, it's just dumb. Yeah. And they don't do it for directors, either. So, um, okay, here's another surprise. I'm very happy about this. Celine Song, who wrote and directed her first ever movie, ever. She was doing plays. Mm -hmm. Her first ever film for A24, Past Lives, which is one of my favorite films of the year. She got nominated. the, The movie got nominated for drama. I'm not surprised about that. But she got nominated for Best Director and Screenplay. Uh... And this is her first ever movie. So now I'm thinking that Past Lives has a shot at Best Picture as well as Best Original Screenplay. I don't okay. think Celine Son will make the Best Director cut for the Oscars, even though she did here. But man, I was really happy to see that. That's a lot of love for Past Lives. Did y'all get to see Past Lives Mm-mm. this year? I haven't seen it yet, but like just <sighs> based that well, just based on your conversations of like surprises and stuff, like a lot of it is like I know you're not on Twitter and, like, that kind of stuff, but, like, based on, like, what I've been seeing on social media and things, like, a lot of these aren't as much surprises because of based on people's, like, talking points. Like, Past Lives has been on my, like, feed since it came out. So, it's, like, it getting nominated um... doesn't surprise me. And then same thing with, like, the May-December thing also doesn't surprise me. It's the... The comedy slash musical thing is just their version of saying the leftovers meaning that we couldn't put these in drama because like there's we have strict rules of like what goes in drama meaning we can only nominate five things so it's like these are like what also would be considered up there because with the oscars they have 10 things that they can nominate for best picture that's why those are there that's what also pisses people off because they're like wait how is this movie a comedy or how is this movie a musical even though it's just yeah no i mean it's it's not yeah i'm not surprised that any of them are in the comedy musical category and to your twitter comment um i used to be on twitter but i'm not anymore 
for obvious reasons. Um, I am, however, Your very much in part, a part of the conversation on Instagram, and I listen to several podcasts. Um, so I'm definitely surprised that past li- that the that the director and the um, screenplay nomination got in there for past lives in the drama category um, because the drama category is so stacked and I wasn't sure if it was going to be in the best picture conversation but well, now I think it's I also because like pretty Dune sure part two Dune part two is also not <laughs> out this year yeah we're not talking about Dune part two I'm, st- I'm gonna be mad about it until January 1st and then I'm gonna be like all right it's 2024 it is Dune year well, i think that's but like the thing of like the award it's season it's so. like this is a weird award season because i feel like everyone was expecting the dune sweep and it's just the fact that they pushed it it's like now you have well, these not. movies like past lives you just have December a different conversation get in well, yeah, you just have a different you just have a different conversation is all so i think that's kind of it for surprises as far as snubs go did you want to add any other surprises anything yeah, you see in that here barbie that got nominated surprised about three, yeah barbie got nominated three times for song I'm not surprised about that. Yeah, was that allowed? That's allowed. Like Dream what? Dream Girls had four out of five nominations. Oh well, I guess I guess I don't allowed. pay. I mean, I don't really pay attention to the Golden Globes. I mean, and same thing with like it's. I mean, it's the Oscars. They're gonna get three. Th- these three songs will be nominated for the Oscar as well. That's crazy. Absolutely, <laughs> it's not. I mean, but yeah. So uh, it's just crazy to me because it's like I don't. I've never really seen that with the Disney because normally when it's best song, it normally goes to the Disney movie because like that's normally what wins. Songs when's the last time? Most of the time? When, when's the last time the original song went to a Disney movie? Encanto. Um, <laughs> but like also three years ago. Yes, but you see what I'm saying? Like it's <laughs> like every time. Like now Disney's bad, but like before, like it was always that. I'm but just that's saying, what I'm saying. Yeah, it's if, like you if, would if think a... you would think with something like Encanto, it would have also got nominated for the other songs that were there. That's what I'm saying. Is like it's crazy that they don't really double down on that. At least Disney. But I'm like, damn. Like the fact that it's I mean, Barbie. I'm not. not it's not enough, that much of a surprise. It's just there's not a lot of mu- there's not a lot of musicals competing this year. Like Barbie and The Color Purple are like the only original musicals on here. And to talk about snubs. Um, I would say it's kind of crazy that The Color Purple is not nominated for comedy musical. And the only other comedy musical nomination that I would remove is probably Air. Um, I don't know how that got in on um in front of something like it's not that good. Um <laughs> I like it's it. not good enough for a Golden no. Globe nomination for for comedy. Well, I guess the against, question is, against is the did, competition, uh, it's not that good. Well, yeah. What well, the um, question for the color purple is? What are the rules for what gets considered in? Is it premiere and stuff? Because I know with the Oscars, you have to submit. Yeah, it has yeah to because be the, the color purple is on this week. list. <laughs> the color purple was nominated for two acting nominations. Like, is it's, it? okay, it's a twenty twenty three film, and it should have been nominated for comedy musical, especially oh, yeah, over right. something so like then, yeah. air. So then, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know why. Uh, for snubs uh, wise, I mean, like can, speaking of probably, air, I can probably tell you why because the Golden Globes has a pretty terrible history of being incredibly well, yeah. racist. So, um, but for snubs yeah. wise, I would say speaking like of, speaking of being racist, here's another snub, and it has to do with air. Tell me Viola why Davis. Matt Damon gets an acting nomination and Viola Davis doesn't. Yeah, that was my <laughs> biggest one. That's a snub right there, because if you're like, going to nominate an acting performance in the movie Air, it should be Viola Davis. And that's the problem with the supporting categories only having one 
genre. It's like all genres put together for the categories, but for the I've actor been saying and actress, it, it's like two. I've been saying it since I've seen Air. I'm like Viola Davis was the best part of that movie. Her as Michael's mom is like I every agree. scene that she's in is so good, and I'm like this deserves a nomination for the award seasons. But I'm like because the voters are stupid people. They always forget about movies that come between January and March that they're like, oh, was that a new release or whatever? That they always forget. And yeah, like you said, that's, the fact that they... That's typical, but... I know, it's, it's typical, but it's... the case, because Everything Everywhere All at Once swept the award season last year. That was because... That was everything with everything Everywhere All at Once was on a fucking another level. On yeah. another level, versus like something like also that is also on another level, but got snubbed on every award was Paddington 2, because that came out in January, Paddington and just kind of slowly kept building, but then once when it fell out of the box office, it was March. And then everyone left away because that year's award seasons were making jokes about it. That's what I'm saying. It's like when the award season, when they come out, so like when in January they start making jokes about movies that are out in theaters, the people forget about those movies by the time they're qualified for the next year. That's what yeah. just gets recency me mad about these awards. Recency bias is a thing. Recency yeah. bias is a thing. Um, and so it's just. So ugh. I don't, at, at this point, with the supporting actors category, looking, I'm going to look now at the Golden Globes. We have Danielle Brooks from The Color Purple. We have Divine Joy Randolph from Holdovers. And I'm going to just say this right now. I think she's winning the Golden Globe and the Oscar. She, she we have Julianne win. Moore from May, Dece- May, December. We have Jodie Foster from Nyad. We have Emily Blunt from Oppenheimer. And Oppenheimer. And Rosamund Pike from Saltburn, who was probably the best part of that movie. In The Critics' Choice, we have... Mm, let's see. Supporting actress. America Ferreira from Barbie. Love that performance. Danielle Brooks from Color Purple. Divine Joy Randolph. Julianne Moore. Jodie Foster. Emily Blunt. So the only difference here, I think, is... Rosamund Pike and America Ferreira. Uh, we don't see Viola Davis in either of those categories. And um, it's because of the heart. Air, like I said. In the Critics' Choice, Air, oh, this is what's crazy about Critics' Choice. Air got an ensemble nomination without any other acting nominations, which is just dumb. And also got an original screenplay nomination and mm. an editing nomination. So, um, mm. yeah, I'm just thinking that Viola Davis isn't going to make the. The, the top five for the Oscars, which, is a, which it, is a shame. It sucks because a recency bias of a Hunger Games. It's the fact that every studio puts out for your considerations. And I wouldn't be shocked if Lionsgate puts out it for your consideration for her in Hunger Games. And that's what's kind of like getting people being like, oh, that's the one movie that she's in this year. That's that's when it it's all it's all been. But the other snub, the only major snub that really pisses me off this year is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles not being nominated for Best yeah. Animated Film. Yeah. That is so. But it did, but it did get a Critics' Choice nomination. It got a Critics' Choice. I'm talking film. about Golden Globes because again, like when, like we're saying, the Golden Globes sometimes predict like the landscape of what the Oscars will be. Sometimes, and, and with not that, all the times. Critics' Choice not also all the times is pretty close too. But but yeah, and with it, it's just it's just ridiculous of like the fact that like I can understand my elementals gets nominated because but like not that... wish please not wish exactly like that's what that's please. what confuses me is that wish got nominated i'm like is it like, just put... recency bias that it's just what we've been saying is that the the voters are like oh what did my grandson watch wish he thought it was kind of cool so i guess i'll vote for that i did see a tiktok like... about that today it's Come literally on. what we were just talking about it's because the it's because the u.s does not see 
animated films and a lot as of more these, as like a lot little of more these... than something for children. Yeah. It's like you need to grow up, guys, and understand that like animation is art. It, it's like one of our most one of our most classic art forms yeah. that everybody yeah, likes to hold that, in high like, praise. Is a lot painting. of these voting bodies are also kind of old. They're like old people. Yeah, but. And, it, yep. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, people well, have been also, painting it's also and drawing been things for thousands of years. Yeah, it's also been like suddenly with it's articles, just for kids. Come on, it's also been proven in articles before that. Yeah, a lot of those old people don't watch the anime. They don't watch a lot of the movies that are nominated for like certain things, and they vote for. And it's just crazy. But yeah, I mean, like with animation conversation, because animation is one of my favorite genres of film. Anyways, like it is my top genre of movies a lot of people know that like it the co- the conversation for the awards is it's definitely a tight race between spider-verse and the boy and the heron in my yeah, opinion yeah i think so too 100%. and spider-verse won that's uh, that's why that's why i think it's gonna go to animated boy and the heron. feature and they might give it to boy and the heron because it is miyazaki's quote-unquote final movie yeah um, i think it, I, but yeah. he's also already won best animated feature so honestly it's it really is a toss-up but he's already won Spider-verse it Spider-Verse is just so good though but Sp- like spider-verse is fantastic <laughs> it's one of I my just i mean think it's that, in the top five of the year i mean we'll get into that later i guess but yeah i just don't i just don't think that you get a lot of I, I think that Miyazaki will win it purely on the principle of not just in the Golden Globes, it's, but for the Oscars specifically, because it is like there. Yeah, there are not a whole lot of hand-drawn. 2D animated, 2D animated uh, directors that you could apply the auteur theory to. But also, and Miyazaki like a, is one. He's like of a household them. name. Yes, that's what I mean. It's like there are not <laughs> yeah. a lot of animated My directors thing- where it's like you could just say their name and people will be like, oh, I know it's exactly who you're talking about. It's going to be tough. My and last then there's thing also Recency I'm- Bias, Boy in the Heron just came yeah. out. Spider-Verse was the summer. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it could go either way. My my yeah. last thing, and I'm done, is that my, my thought, my crazy thought, because I love talking award seasons and stuff, but, you know, we got to wrap up. My We're going to have thing- a whole pot about this at I some know. point. So my last thing is, is like, my thought was, is like, it would be crazy because I do think that they would might give it to Miyazaki because again, like, it feels like a, well, this could be his last one, you know, like, let him have it and Spider-Verse won the, the, the first time. But I was thinking like, it would be cool if Spider-Verse wins. And then when Beyond comes out and it also wins, it could be the first trilogy to win like that, that type of thing. 3D, baby. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been done. And I'm like, that would be pretty baller. For 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 sure. Spider Verse to do that, but I was like, sure, sure. it would just mean that it would also have to mean that Beyond is also like the best movie of like ever. Yeah. <laughs> so they could also just it's a lot of what is it now that yeah. they know it's a trilogy and not just one movie exactly. like it was. When They're it was like, Spider-verse. oh, we're gonna hold off on yeah. this award until you yeah. show us but, what your part you know, three looks like. It would be cool. Thing. It would be cool. Anyway, <laughs> it would be cool. Anyway, that's our award season talk. Uh, it's that time of year. We can't really avoid it. Uh, and as we get closer to the Oscars, we're going to be talking a lot about it. And yeah, so we'll we'll get there. Anyway, um, let's move on. To. To our topic of the show. Tots, 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 Our triple feature... For the month is festive December, and this is our third movie. It's a Wonderful Life. This was my pick. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life 
came out in 1946, so it's pretty old. I think it's the oldest film we've watched on the on the pod. Actually, I don't think we've watched anything older than that. Yeah, I don't think we have. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I chose this movie. Um, yeah, let me get into it. Let me let me talk about it. It's get a wonderful it. life. Real get quick. into it, Emma. So yeah, break it down. Go off. Um, hopefully, you watch this movie. If you didn't, I'm about to kind of go through the the premise of it. Um, and as we as we discuss this movie together, we're definitely going to spoil it. So uh, again, we have um, we have timestamps yeah. in the episode notes. If you don't want this movie spoiled for you, skip to the end. Um, the but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. Um, it's a wonderful life. You literally had eighty years to watch this. <laughs> it's it's a wonderful life. If you haven't seen it. You've seen more of it than you think. <laughs> Freddy also watched this for the first time, so don't let him fool you. And I, yeah, and I know <laughs> it's, it's, but it, but that was the thing. Even when plausible. I was watching it, it's like exactly. I know what's going to happen in this because it's perfectly plausible for you not to have seen this movie. But hopefully, you have seen it because you're listening to this podcast. Anyway, Frank Capra is the director, starring my all-time crush, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, James Stewart is his government name, but Jimmy, Jimmy I, I call him Jimmy, you know, I call him Jimmy. He's Jimmy to me. Stew. I don't even call him Stewart. <laughs> I just call him Jimmy. We're on a first name basis. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Jimbo. So Jimmy Stewart plays a man named George Bailey who lives in a small town in upstate New York called. Called called uh, uh i almost called it pottersville it's something falls yeah it's uh, bedford falls, but it's falls. Later. Bedford found it falls. found it found it found yeah. it all right <clears throat> and he he kind of has like a he he's a working i wouldn't say he's a working class person but um him and his family don't have a lot of money his father at the beginning of the story owns a building and loan business in Bedford Falls and basically his father is kind of painted as this sort of like saint of a person who you know doesn't doesn't make a lot of money on purpose because he loans money to people and um, doesn't really um, you know charge him interest or doesn't like if they if they fall back on their payments he's not like you know giving them fees or whatever so um, he he is at once in at one time in this movie called a bad businessman because he's yeah. more interested i guess in helping people than making money yeah he's definitely framed yeah. as wanting more wanting better for the community rather yes, than for exactly. his and wallet. it is it is probably um peter bailey is his name it is probably his wish that george would take his place um uh, you know as he retires or as he dies um, but George doesn't want that. George is a free spirit. He wants to go travel the world. He wants to see the world. And um, he wants to go on a trip to Europe. Um, and that's where we meet kind of George at the beginning um, of his adulthood life. Uh, but really what this movie sets up is some some childhood, childhood events for George. Um, and it just kind of goes through his life of like certain acts of selflessness that George has um, done in his life from the time he was a little boy um, throughout his adult life. Um, So basically, yeah, spoiler warning, his father dies and he doesn't get to go to Europe. He has to stay 
and um, continue with his father's business. Otherwise, it will be taken over by the big bad, Mr. Potter, who is like this ultra capitalist, wants to kind of like eat every business in this in the town and kind of just like have a monopoly of real estate in the town and own it. And the only thing standing between Mr. Potter and owning Bedford Falls is George Bailey staying and kind of being Bailey building and loan. Um, yeah. So throughout the story, George is just kind of like this super selfless person and we're seeing his life play out kind of narrated by these angels. And it starts out with like, Oh, you know, George, George needs help. And so, um, they have to tell the story of George's life of all of these selfless things that happen that he does. And eventually George gets to this place um, where he has done so many selfless things for people that he gets in a, he gets in trouble. He gets in a lot of trouble with like fine, not, not just financially, but legally um, his uncle, Billy yeah. loses $8,000 of the company's money and he can't come up with it. And he basically tells everyone that he, he lost it. You know, he tells Mr. Potter that he lost it. Another selfless thing he does. And Mr. Potter tells him, you know, because of your life insurance policy that he's worth more dead than alive. And so he decides he's worth more dead than alive and his his family and the town would be a lot better off if he just killed himself and so that's why the angel clarence is sent down to earth to save george to keep him from killing himself and that's kind of basically like the first two acts of the film and then um the, the last act, act three, is uh, George gets a chance to see what his life would be like if he was never born. Or not what his life would be like, but what the world would be like if he was yeah. never born. Because he says, maybe I don't want to kill myself, but maybe I wish I was never born. So Clarence, the angel Clarence, gives him a chance to see that. And um, that's kind of the basis of the movie and why it's called It's a Wonderful Life. Um, so... Uh, I think I think that's that's kind of where I want to get us started okay. is is this narrative structure All right. of how the story is told. OK, what do we think about that narrative structure of like this whole build up? Because I, I even told Freddie because we watched it together and I was like, Freddie. The only thing you really need to know before you get into this movie is like it takes a long time before this movie becomes <laughs> a Christmas movie. Yeah, you read yeah. my letterbox review. <laughs> I've also watched this movie a hundred times, so uh, I know that. Yeah, I've, I haven't seen, to, to start, like, I, this is my dad's favorite Christmas movie, and it's, like, one of those, like, I can understand why he never really, like, plays it around the house. It's not a movie that you play and you kind of wrap presents or, like, do other things. It's not like Elf or, Chris, or a lot of the Christmas comedies that you can just kind of have as background noise. It's one that you kind of have to pay attention to to like get the story but with that it was like as a kid as a kid i probably didn't like it because of that reason of like it takes so long to get to that third act that everyone 
loves so much. I feel like that's the part that everyone likes about the movie is the third act. And with the first two acts, it's like, oh, like, like especially like as a kid, it's like, oh, come on, like let's let's get it going. But like yeah. as an adult, I'm like, oh, this is just like, this is quaint, this is cute. It, it's just like it feels like small vignettes of like you get to see this person's life and under mm-hmm. kind of really understand like why like not that why he would want to kill himself but like why the why he feels like the world is against him it's all these selfless acts but it's yeah. all stuff where he's doing it because he has to and it's stuff mm-hmm. that he doesn't want to do that's the thing yeah. there, there's yeah. like selfless it's, acts in the vein of it's... like you're doing it because of the kind of it's your heart he's doing it because he's mm-hmm. like I got no choice. Like, yeah, might as well do this. It's it's selfless, but it's also a sacrifice. Yeah, like every every selfless act is a sacrifice for him because he's sacrificing something else. And with the narrative, his happiness. Yeah, and with the narrative structure, it just kind of reminded me of like Alice in Wonderland, of just like again, like just small small vignettes that just kind of just kind of go, but like. I guess, unlike Alice in Wonderland, like it's all leading up to that third act. I think the third act really brings it together. And that's where Mm -hmm. everyone's like, oh, this is why like you and most people are like, this is why it's the best is because Mm -hmm. of that third act. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because because everything that. that you, everything that led up to the third act has a payoff. Yeah. Yeah. It's fully cyclical. Yeah. So what did you think about that narrative structure? You, you re- like the, the cyclical <laughs> nature of it, that it yeah. comes back? I'm really, uh, I'm a sucker for a good, for a good cyclical narrative structure. <laughs> Maybe it's my heritage, <laughs> you know, you know, but. That's got to be on a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm a sucker for a cyclical structure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, but, we need, we got, we got merch ideas now. Yeah. We got merch <laughs> ideas. But, uh, no, I really liked it. Um, honestly, the buildup didn't. Um, it didn't bother me. I didn't have any hangups on it. Like I said, this is the first time I've seen it. Um, I didn't, like, I didn't grow up on it. And, um, I'm sure my parents have seen it because it is, it's such a, it's such a common movie, but I, I just don't think it was ever, it, I don't think it was ever like high enough on their like list of movies that they really like watching to be like, Oh, you need to, you got to see it's a wonderful life. Like that was never a conversation. It um, is. I do agree with you, though, Connor. It is one of those movies where you do have to pay attention. And yeah. so with what you're saying, um, this is something that my family watches. Like, we actually sit and watch this. Mm-hmm. Um, we all love it so much. Um, and we all just boo-hoo <laughs> at the end every time and uh but but i i didn't grow up watching it as a child i they definitely my parents definitely knew when to start watching that movie with me yeah um you know old movie uh, old. You know, well yeah but it's not just because it's an old movie because oh, yeah um it's 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 because of the the, the narrative it's because of yeah. the the story is is definitely something you have to pay attention to and you have to have a good attention span and and so that kind of thing um but yeah i something something about this movie that i think is interesting is when it first premiered in 1946 it was not a box office success success so much so that it it became um a, a movie that was in the public domain and because it was in the public domain it's free to anybody networks picked it up and were able to play it 
for free on network television every year, which is why still to this day in 2023, you're going to see It's a Wonderful Life on network television on Christmas Eve at 8 p.m. It is going to be, it's probably going to play, you know, every night, every weekend until Christmas or whatever. But, um, and so because it was played on network television over the last, you know, 80 years, um, people have fallen in love with it. People got a chance to see it that didn't get, that didn't go see it in the theaters. And it has become a widely beloved Christmas film to the point of talking about it now. Yeah. It's like a cultural piece at this point. It is. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I also wanted to talk about George Bailey because we did talk about George Bailey um, in reference to the narrative structure, but um, I wanted to talk about his development. That's something that I really love about this movie is how George starts at the beginning and how he is at the end um, and how he develops throughout the movie, how he grows, how he changes. Um, because at the beginning, I don't, I don't think George is ever painted to be a bad person, but at the beginning he is a little selfish in a good way. Like he's like, I want to see the world. I want to travel. I want to learn things. Um, and he's a little arrogant, but it's not, it's, I don't think he's a bad person at all. As the movie progresses and he he can't go to Europe, he can't um, go to college, he can't, um, you know, Harry, his younger brother, doesn't take over the business for him. He ends up getting married to Mary, who he loves wholeheartedly, but he's even resistant to that because marriage means, um, it, down. in that time, it means commitment, it means you know, you're kind of, you're probably going to have a family, you're going to have kids and you're stuck where you are. And so he didn't want that. But because Mary is who she is, he really had no, he really was just like, I'm getting married to Mary because she's Mary. Like, um, that's another character I love is Mary. But, um, yeah, I just think, um, he, he keeps losing these things that he wants and he, he continues to be, a selfless good person but as he sacrifices over and over again he gets more and more frustrated and then we get to that third act and he learns that his life is wonderful and <laughs> it's probably my favorite line of the movie he's very, he's he's accepted his fate because if life means prison if life means death if life means you know um, all these things that you're not supposed to want, want, but I also means, but it also means that I get to be married to Mary and I get to have these kids and I get to have all like my brother, Harry's alive and -hmm. all of these things, then that's what I want. And so he's just accepted and he is content. He becomes a content person to the fact, to the, to the point where he says my favorite line of the whole movie, (laughs) he walks into the house and he's like, isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail. I'm going to jail. (laughs) Um, Mm. And um, his just, his whole, his whole attitude just changes completely. And I just think um, that leads to the next point, which is Jimmy Stewart. Mm-hmm. This movie in the hands of another actor, I don't think would have been as good. Um, he is so charming and he is so believable in all three states. 
Yeah. He's believable as that like arrogant, selfish young man. Yeah. He's believable as that frustrated, exhausted person. And then he's believable in his state of like he's excited that he found his car wrapped in a tree. He's like, yeah. oh, I was driving drunk and I hit a tree. Like, yeah. this is great. You know, um, he's doing that whole like he's just being so hammy with yeah. it, you know. Um, my face is bleeding. My mouth's bleeding. Burn. My mouth's bleeding. My mouth's bleeding. Zuzu's pedals. um and that's and yeah you're right like connor like that's probably everybody's favorite part is the end because of how george bailey is is changed and he's running through the streets of bedford falls and he's like merry christmas everybody yeah you know so i just think his performance is so great it because it's a story of like a guy going through his midlife crisis it's like an yeah. older tale. Like that—that's how I viewed yeah. it. Now as an adult, it's like, it's pretty much him kind of going through a midlife crisis of like, like all these selfish things. But it's again like what we're saying is like, well, he wanted to travel and he wanted to do this, but then X happens, and then Y happens, and then this happens, and it's all stuff where yeah. he's like, why does yeah. the world hate me? Like why? Like yeah. like why does this happen to me? Like mm-hmm. when I look at everybody else, they have this, they have that, they, mm-hmm. like all these things. And so it's just yeah. that midlife crisis that some people go through of like what what does this all mean? Like like what? Mm-hmm. Like uh until finally you get that uh, I guess epiphany moment of like, no, like life is beautiful and like it's yeah. a wonderful life. And yeah. so yeah, like it's it's all that. I think the question yeah. I have for Freddie is how, how does it feel to <laughs> uh watch this movie now because like i watched this movie and i knew about jimmy stewart's performance and stuff and it's very funny watching this and then also watching people on youtube and stuff watch uh puss in boots the last wish and they get to the jiminy cricket scene and some people either get it or they don't where the jiminy cricket scene is just a jimmy stewart impression (laughs) <laughs> of it's a wonderful life oh my yeah. god I i'm gonna have to go back and watch that. puss and boots now but... oh my god so back like, to but... the um back to the how does that blow your mind Freddie? yeah back to the midlife oh crisis conversation though what? i i i think that <laughs> that's what makes the movie so relatable sure like maybe not every middle-aged person is dealing with fraud yeah and like going to jail but there's always something that's relatable. Like you are always, you know, we as people are always comparing ourselves and our lives to other people. And that's not always fair to ourselves. And so, yeah, it basically just takes George going through an epiphany to be fair to himself and to be kind to himself and to be content with his life the way that it is, even if that does mean going to jail and, <laughs> and you know yeah. um you know losing yeah. all of his all, losing his business you know all of those things and so no i think that that's uh that's what makes it relatable is that like yeah. maybe we don't all go to prison but at some point in our lives there's we something have to yeah. like there's something to latch accept, to yeah, yeah we have to accept where we at like who like where we are and what we have and be content with it and and yeah. and be be happy and be joyful. Did you have yeah. any, did you want to say something about that? Um I one I'm going to have to go back and watch that scene from Puss in Boots. <laughs> You're a monster. That's, 
<laughs> You're a horrible monster. Because it's li- it's oh. it, like most people's reaction is like it's literally a Jimmy Stewart thing, and some people like there were some like review like reactions I saw where people were like, "Is that supposed to be on purpose?" And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> like it's that moral conscious yeah. thing of like the the conscious of like yeah like an angel like, like yeah it's it's a yeah. good joke and it it works so well like if you know you know yeah um <clears throat> but no, i i i think yeah i think jimmy stewart does like you were saying i i agree fully jimmy stewart is like the glue that holds this entire movie mm-hmm. together um and he really knocks it out of the park in a way that like feels like non it's like unsubstitutable yeah um i can't imagine like cary grant being in this yeah like he would have been a dud yeah and so (laughs) i just i don't know i i really i really enjoyed the film the one thing that i the the one thing that I did say, um, Back to the Future Two? Question mark. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, this is. Um, it reminds me of Back to the Future Two, the third act with him being around. Where it's like, what if? How would life be if everything was completely different because you weren't around? Yeah, dude. Um, Pottersville. It's just Biff's world. <laughs> it's just Biff land. Yeah. And anyway. so, but I I will say when I was watching it, um like what what I was saying, I'm like you've you've seen more of it than you realize because it is so common. There's tons of parodies of it. Um and like like shows have done parodies either like f- outrightly doing a, like a full episode of of, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh like Fairly Odd Parents has an episode of it's that's yep. it's It's a Wonderful Life. And then just things in general, like the third act feels very much like um, the ghost of Christmas future from a Christmas yes, Carol. Absolutely. Um, and when we were watching well, it, it's, it's, it's ghost past, present and future all in one. Yeah. 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 Um, but like when we like, so when we watched it, we had, we paused it. And then when I came back, it was like right at the beginning of the third act. And I was like, man, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for him to look at his brother's gravestone because I'm like, obviously this is what's going to happen because like that's the first thing in the movie, yeah, is like him saving his little brother. brother, So I'm like, that's going to be the like one of the last things that happens in this third act is like he's going to be like, oh my god, like I saved my brother's life when we were children, Mm -hmm. and I just have never like thought about it since then. but no, it's that's not and, the last thing. Yeah, no. Like but, he, he sees his mother. Yeah, and his mother's like, I don't know you. Get yeah. off my property. And then he finds Mary. Yeah, and she is terrified of him. Yeah, because she doesn't know him. You know, so it's that's what that's but, what gets him. Yeah, I just I don't know what else I was gonna say about it. So uh, yeah, just that that last act structure of like um <laughs> yeah like what's gonna do it for him what's yeah. gonna be what's gonna be the what's thing, gonna be that, the thing like, that makes it click like yeah. he realizes like this is mom, not really, better but yeah yeah exactly yeah um i guess the the other reason why i really like this movie 
why this is why this is my absolute favorite movie to watch during this time of year when uh money is at the forefront of a lot of people's minds and you know how am i gonna afford all these christmas gifts and i gotta you know cook all this food and i gotta spend all this money on gas to travel and blah 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 um there is quite an economic message in this Mm -hmm. movie um not necessarily i mean yeah so so we'll spoil the ending now but um at the end of this film um the people the people of bedford falls everybody that george has had an impact on comes they come and they they basically save him from fraud from losing his business from going to jail by giving him money um and it's because of mary like mary kind of saves the day what's one of my favorite parts also is when she walks in i told you this the other day but yeah she walks in the house and george is like hugging his kids and he's like oh kids 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 and she just like walks in she looks up and she just like tears off her scarf and she like looks up and um she's just like this like heroic kind of like pose like i did it she's like they're coming they're coming they're almost here um but throughout the movie like the the main villain is the hyper capitalist potter monopolist yeah like douche douche of a goosh if you yeah uh, um he he's terrible um at one point you could say scrooge except Mm -hmm. Yeah, except the the difference is like Scrooge learns charity <laughs> and he learns yeah. that money is not the most important thing <laughs> and Potter does not. Potter is just the the villain. Yeah. And um I think I think there is a clear message about um the economics at the time specifically in 1946 this is right after world war ii um there's like an economic boom but there's also like a fear of um socialism and going into a um a different kind of economic i guess um way of life or or no like we had just got out of the depression like but yeah, I think. But I it's think like, people, how long is this prosperity going to last? Right, I think people were on edge because of the war, and uh, no, I think you're right. Yeah, people are are scared of yeah. of you know what what could happen, and yeah, and so I think that the filmmakers are saying a lot without saying a lot. Yeah, because you can't really say a lot about economics during this time. Yeah. Uh, this is like right before the Red Scare, like where people were actually losing their jobs for like just being in the same room as a suspected communist. So yeah. it's like you can't really like say a whole lot about economic structures. But I do think that this film has a lot to say about um, the value of money yeah, versus the value of community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think in a, in a time <laughs> where, you know, we are also kind of feeling that way. I, I, I think, I think capitalism isolates people. Yeah. I think, uh, capitalism makes people feel like they have to do it on their own Yeah, and they have to figure it out and they can't ask for help. Um, and I think that's kind of, um, 
I, yeah, that's a big takeaway is just like, like f- find your people, form a community and help each other. Yeah. And it doesn't, and in, in this movie, they're helping each other with money, but it doesn't have to look like that. Like you can help each other in yeah. different ways. And so, yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's what I, I, I love the ending of this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> of everybody coming in and, and helping in whatever way they can. yeah it's very it's very wholesome it is like the core of like this community um this community presence where it is like you know because it it also it it feeds directly into the narrative of you know you've impacted all of these people at some point and you don't realize that you have yeah and it's like you see that earlier in the movie when he gives away all of the money for his honeymoon to yes. everybody in the town that yeah. he can to help them get by because he doesn't want them to uh, Just to be, be sold out to Potter. Yeah. He wants to protect them from the big bad. And I think that has a lot to do with his upbringing. Like he saw his dad care more about the community than money. Yeah. And so he also kind of shares those values. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, there's nothing more any- cuter. There's nothing more cuter than like a community bringing it all together. It's like why I love Be Kind Rewind. It has like the same ending. Why that why that movie makes me cry. Like the whole community coming at the end to like watch the movie that they made together. It's like the same Aww. thing with this. Yeah. So, like everybody, everybody coming, everybody coming at the like the last minute to be like, no, everything's okay. And it's like, god damn, like to live in a small town like that, <laughs> it'd be great. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be a small town either. <laughs> like you can yeah. make a community anywhere, you know, you just got to find your people and, and help each other out. You know, like Freddie and I, like we live in the same building and, um, we help each other with a lot of things and, uh, it'd be cool if, you know, more people kind of lived within the vicinity and, um, and we could have like, you know, it just it just feels isolating sometimes, especially yeah. in a city environment. So, yeah. Anyway, I this movie community. always kind of like reminds me community community <laughs> emphasis on um, the com. <laughs> anyway, read into that what you mm. will. Um, <laughs> so, um, are there any other things we want to say about this movie? Um, any other points? No, like Before I, we get I into our rating. I said, yeah, yeah. I said the vignettes thing. That was like mainly the main thing I took away from this was the whole vignettes, like the structure. Yeah, kind of nailed at the beginning. So other than that, not not really good movie. Yeah, I'm. I liked the. I mean, I I the thing that I didn't realize was how many times I've seen the the constellations, like yeah. the, the the galaxies talking the to each other, the being referenced, like, oh, lighting up. Yeah, it's like I see that all the time, and I'm like, oh. That's what it's that's been. From. It's a wonderful life this yeah. entire time. <laughs> like the whole time, it's been. It's a wonderful yeah. life. Or every time so, a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Yeah, I knew that, that one. Boy, Clarence. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it's just it's just yeah. funny. Oh, also, um, the I love the way the snow looks. It looks fake. It looks fake, but it's so good. <laughs> it it's so like pretty. it's it so, so pretty. thick, yeah. and I'm like, and I've yeah. been in snowstorms where it's like that's some grumbling snow. snow. Is, yeah. Yeah. Well, Connor knows like this is like a UP, of, oh, like a true blue UP fucking blizzard, and the snow is just like so thick, it's yeah. like yeah. almost unbelievable. You're like, what? Yeah. 
And like that's it's like it doesn't look like that, but that's what it feels yeah, like. That's exactly. what it feels like. Um, yeah. Big, you're, you're like you're in a snow globe. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like this. Is, so yeah, I just snow I looks love great. that. It I looks love fake, that but it looks yeah. great. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's get into our ratings. Uh, Seabird, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Uh, like I said before, like yeah, this is my dad's favorite movie. Shout out one time uh because of that uh like growing up like it's never something i kind of watched because it was like oh i kind of considered it like old movie old like <laughs> movies didn't start until the 90s <laughs> or whatever yeah movies didn't start till the 80s <laughs> that's when it peaked but yeah like it yeah. like now as an adult i can appreciate like all these things like I, I love the slow burn i love like the subtleness of everything and the small vignettes and it's it's something where like i i can see myself trying to like watch this every year but it's the one where like we kind of nailed where it's like you got to pay attention to and so mm-hmm. it's the one where like if i remember to like be like oh i'm gonna sit down and pay attention to i might do it but otherwise it's like one where it's like it's really good like i give it a nine out of ten um because because of that reason of like it no no wonder why it is the number one christmas movie on like most people's list like it is it is a cult classic and it's something where like you just can't help but fall in love with this movie especially with that third act i think it's just that it it's that thing of like you can have really two bad first and second acts but that third act can really bring it all together and i think this is like one of those where it's like like everyone remembers that third act whereas like the beginning parts they're like yeah i mean like like some people might be surprised about things but otherwise like yeah it's, it's yeah. really good for sure yeah um, Brady, what about you i'm really in the same boat as connor here i would say i would say nine out of ten as well wow um i really enjoyed it i think that um it is it is truly um it's truly a christmas movie like the first the first two acts the first two acts i mean i i enjoyed the first two acts um and i think it's 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 like this movie uh this movie doesn't have to be this movie doesn't have to take place at christmas time no it just chooses to yes. because it's you know it's this part of it's the time the where year are where you know people people want to feel more connected to their family in general yeah and so it works and it really like emphasizes it more. And if it wasn't set at Christmas time, I don't know if it would necessarily have had the staying power that it has because it is so relegated to like a specific time of year. It's like, Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's a wonderful lifetime. Right. So yeah, it would still be good. I just don't know if it would have necessarily caught on as much as it has because it's, it is a christmas movie but like first i think that strength is that first and foremost like it is a movie and it has a story that it wants to tell completely disconnected from it just being christmas christmas just manages to be like the perfect backdrop for it absolutely absolutely uh there was one more thing i wanted to say actually before i um cap off this conversation but um another thing i really love about this movie is it's at the end when everybody's there and harry who's this war hero comes back mm-hmm. and he like toasts to george and he's like to the richest man in town because it takes on two meanings yeah because he probably is the richest man in town he probably technically has more money now than yeah. potter um 
But that's Dude, not I what don't he know means. If he th- I don't know if he would technically have more money than Potty. Well, there's a lot of money being thrown on that table. We don't know. <laughs> I know, but it's... But, I, well, and, and Sam Wainwright, hee-haw, sent him $25,000. Oh, true. He so, did do that. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think that it's possible that he is the richest man in town. But yes. that's not what Harry means. Yeah. Like, Harry means, like, you have the most love. Yeah. People love you. Yeah. And that's what makes you the richest person. So uh, I am tearing up right now thinking about (laughs) this movie. Every time we sit down and watch this movie in my parents' living room on Christmas Eve, I'm just like a bucket of tears. I'm just like, (laughs) when Annie comes in and she was like, I was saving all this money for when, from a, for a divorce if ever I got a husband. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's so sweet. But um, yeah, I I mean, y'all can guess what I'm going to give this movie because it's my favorite. Four first, out of it's, ten. Mm-hmm. It's not just my favorite Christmas movie. It is definitely one of my favorite films of all time. Five out of five. 10 out of 10. Damn. Oh, this is a perfect movie. What? This is a perfect movie. That's a golden globe surprise. The structure, <laughs> the, the, the build up, the release yeah. at the end. Mm-hmm. It is just, movie. oh, it's so good. Okay. Um, if you haven't seen, yeehaw. If you have not seen It's a Wonderful Life, um, get to it. <laughs> I got a fun. Okay. I got a fun side note that I was going to bring note. up with, with the note. Yeehaw. My yeah. family, yeehaw. so like, because because my dad loves this movie, and like I said, like, my mom is the one, if anybody met my mom, she's the Christmas movie person. She watches Christmas movies all year round. It's, you know, Christmas Story, Elf, Deck the Halls, Christmas with the Cranks, like all the classics in her mind. But with my dad, it's like, it's a wonderful life. It's the one that he tries to watch. And at one year, he rewatched it. And it was him and my mom that kept going around the house going, yeehaw, yeehaw. And really confused me and my brother. Because we haven't seen it in a long time. Especially my brother. My brother probably still hasn't seen the movie. And he was like, what are you guys referencing? <laughs> and for yeah. like, I think like a solid like couple months, they kept it up until finally I realized what they were doing. And I was like, oh, it's this. And I remember I was like, oh, what the fuck? But it was so funny. <laughs> they, they refused to be like, no, you got to look it up. Like, like we don't, like, this is this is our thing. Like, it's like their secret language that they kept doing. And it was just the yeehaw. Yeah. <laughs> it was very yeehaw, funny. Sam, how are <laughs> you? Um, uh, yeah, I saw a letterbox review that said, apparently people in the 1940s just said hee-haw to each other all the time so it's just regular <laughs> like oh, more. Okay. Back in the 1940s. So, i'm just saying hee-haw so <laughs> we're gonna continue this conversation in tandem with the last two weeks of our podcast because we are not going to have another episode this year this is the last episode of the year say goodbye 2023 happy new year yep bye-bye but happy new year. um our festive December recap is happening right now so quickly Right. Let's talk about what now. these three movies have in common. Right Connor, here, right now. In ten seconds, recap. Home Alone. Kid gets left behind. Okay, um, Freddie. <laughs> in ten seconds. I don't think I could top that. <laughs> in ten seconds, wrap up Tokyo Godfathers. Three homeless people in Tokyo find a baby, and then they go on a uh, Christmas mission to return it to their to its parents possibly great 
I am not going to recap It's a Wonderful Life because we just I just that. did that. Um, what do these three movies have in common? Uh, I think it's like the bi- the biggest one. And I think that's just like, I mean, like other than like, we're going to specify this like each time. It's like other than like the theme. I think other it's than them being like, Christmas movies. Yeah, them mm-hmm. being Christmas movies. Like, I think the fact that they are Christmas movies, it's that thing that Christmas movies do where it's finding like finding like the true meaning of life in a way or like mm-hmm. under understanding like understanding like the purpose and stuff like with home alone it was like kevin like understanding like it's okay to still be a kid but also like you know you got to grow up you're gonna grow up sometime but you have to wait for that and then with tokyo godfathers it's like finding that purpose in life with these homeless people and that biblical you know nativity story with that and then with it's a wonderful life it's what we talked about of like jimmy stewart realizing that his life is more important and stuff. Yeah. And so I think like that, uh, that's like something where like, like what we're saying with it's a wonderful life. Like, I don't think a lot of these movies would really like hit as hard, like, especially with like, cause that's always been my argument with home alone is that a lot of people, cause my biggest hot take when it comes to Christmas movies is that I don't think die hard is a Christmas movie because I think you can still do die hard without the quote unquote Christmas elements. It can still be a party and he can still save his wife. Whereas a lot of people kind of argue that with like, well, Home Alone, it's just people you know, breaking into a house. And I'm like, but that's not the point of the movie. The point is Kevin, like the family element that we talked about in the, the Home Alone episode. It's that family element. And I don't yeah. think without the Christmas stuff, it's not going to hit as hard. Yes, the Looney Tunes slapstick stuff would still hit. But that ending is what really brings it together. And it feels like each of these movies, the ending is like what like solidifies it being like these christmas movies yeah and it's all about Uh, each one of them has like a very deep um family is important theme did i just that's what that's what i was gonna say okay go go for it no i was how how do they each kind of fit into that yeah i was just gonna say like the because i have something else so go ahead okay the the family theme is for me i would say like the the bigger through line like a like a very large one because you have like home alone like the big backdrop is kevin doesn't he says he doesn't want his family and then he realizes that he actually doesn't want he that's like the only thing he wants and he's, he's like, responsible for family another family yeah. connecting with each other and he gets a lot of um yeah. satisfaction out of that too so family is like a huge theme in home alone Yes. And then Tokyo Godfathers, you have the young girl and she ran away from her family and then it's her reconnecting with her family. You have the man who's reconnecting with his daughter. And then we have Hannah who her family isn't relatives, but her her queer community is her family. She has her chosen family and she sees herself in this child that's that's been abandoned. abandoned. So she wants to meet the family in order to see like, can I even, you know, yeah. Can I understand from their perspective why this happened mm -hmm. to me? The three, the the three godfathers are a family. Yes. They are a found family. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, It's a Wonderful Life. Like, he's like, why do we got to have this house? Why do we got to have these kids? You yeah. know, and then he learns, oh, no, that's actually the meaning of life is yeah. family. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. living and like finding your people. Um, 
so yeah, those are those are great. Another thing I noticed was that all three of these are miracle movies. Um, yeah. So like with Home Alone, it's a little subtle, I think. Um, so it's like it's not really a miracle because they sleep in, but you can almost interpret it as because Kevin made this wish that his family would go away, the power went out and they left him and all of those things. And then there is kind of like a miracle of his mom returning. Like his mom returning is a miracle. Um, And it's an answered prayer even like, so like we have the, like the audience has the objective perspective Uh of, but we know why all the, Uh like, yeah, but to Kevin, this is all a miracle because he doesn't know why any of this is even happening. Exactly. Um, And then in Tokyo Godfathers, I would say like the whole movie is just like, several miracles happen. Yes. A um, lot of miracles. <laughs> a a lot, lot of miracles. Of and then yeah, and then you have It's a Wonderful Life, you have like an angel literally coming to earth and like showing you what your life would be like yeah. or showing you what the people you love what their lives would be like if you had never been born and how the world would be and how many lives you've touched. Yeah. Um and so um those miracles are why each one of these stories is about somebody learning the meaning of life. It's because of those miracles. And so I think all three of these movies work very well together, not just because they're Christmas movies, but because of the reasons that we've said. Yeah. Family. Yeah. I think it works. Family. I think it's the one that, that kind of like really works. Cause I think like with our, uh, October picks, uh, like those worked in the vein of like it was just coincidence that we all picked movies that were monster movies in a way. But with v- yeah. Vietnam, it just made sense that they would all connect because of the the subject matter. But with this, I feel like it's yeah. just like our October pick of like it. It just happened to be. Th- I mean, like, I mean, like I do think that most Christmas movies all deal with the same stuff of family and things but there are some that could have been different like I could have picked Krampus I could have you know I could have picked a horror movie or I could have picked Grumblins which I don't think that's really about family (laughs) so like it's a horror yeah so yeah (laughs) so it's so it's like things like the fact the fact that we picked ones where it's like like we're saying like they're so closely knit to to these like themes that we're talking about like I think that does perfectly work as a triple feature yeah. I do too. I guess we could have technically picked uh, Fast and Furious as well. Oh, oh yeah. Word. We're going for the family theme. <laughs> Corona is my favorite Christmas drink. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Get a couple well, Coronas. <laughs> that concludes our festive December triple feature. We did it. Congratulations, everybody. <laughs> Clap your okay. hands, jingle. So the bells. we will not be discussing a new release in jingle the month some of bells, December. Get some angel wings. Go yeah. ahead and engorge yourself on some food and spend time with your loved ones your and theme. with your family. Whether that's it obviously be, what's more important. It's way more important than giving and getting or, gifts and spending money in a capitalist society. Um most. Yeah. Also so shout out to wish, all the holidays. Wish you whatever. All well. Whatever you celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Connor. Yeah. Uh, Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. Happy Kwanzaa. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Um, And any other one that we didn't mention. And any other that we didn't mention. Yep. Happy holidays. That's why we say that. Okay. Um, So, yeah. We're going to take a break. But when we come back, 
in January. We have a new theme for you. Because um, we're not over so, yet. Just when you thought yeah. you couldn't get rid of us. We're still going. Oh, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> um, January's theme is Mockumentary. <laughs> Mockumentary. Hell yeah. Okay, whose idea was this? It wasn't mine. Whose idea was this? Was it, it Connor's was or Freddy's? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was me. Okay, Connor. Connor, since it's your idea, tell us a little bit about Mockumentary. Well, it's a mockumentary. Well, to get the headspace, since we started this podcast, it seems like Emma has been trying to think of months where it would fit with a pun. And because yeah, of that, I, I was like, that. I was like, oh, like, what could be one for January? And I was like, well, there is a movie that I want to talk to. I'm not going to spoil it yet. But I was like, oh, this would work for January because it'd be mockumentary. <laughs> and once I said, it, I'm like, and it's so stupid that it has to work. So mockumentaries, yeah. for people that don't know, are just basically parody documentaries. So it, it's yes. in the style of a documentary, but majority of them are parodies. Not in the sense of a parody like scary movie so, and things. Yeah. But they're, they, like they're they, scripted. Yeah. It's they, like a satire can, of a genre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just the satire of like taking something and doing it. Like a good example for like television would be like uh, The Office or yeah. Parks and Rec yeah. and yeah. somewhat Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where mm-hmm. the camera is more, the characters are aware that there's a camera crew yeah. and that someone is filming them and that's what's happening. But everything that's happening is like we're saying is scripted and is mm-hmm. acted. It's not like yeah. a documentary where it's, you know, shoot uh, guerrilla filmmaking. And, you know, I think the reason that it is so popular for like the reason that like mockumentary is so popular in general is because documentary is looked at as like a very earnest form of filmmaking sometimes too earnest sometimes a little pretentious yeah well sometimes yeah yeah definitely but i think like in general i like when it when we think of documentary we think of like oh you're trying to capture reality like that's the whole point you're trying to document something Mm -hmm. so you're trying to capture the most real version of this possible obviously that does not happen a lot of times like we're well aware that there is a lot of bias in lots of documentary filmmaking and like that's like the inherent flaws like you're still getting this this from a one perspective and i think that's why the mockumentary genre works so well and why it makes what it why it works so well for a lot of like comedic moments yeah. especially where it's like you're taking all of these i all of these things that we already know and you are like and you're just presenting something that is blatantly false but in earnest, it's like it's like yeah. the it's like the film equivalent of like a shitty car salesman <laughs> joke. Like, yeah. so so in January we're each gonna be picking a mockumentary, a movie that is not truly a documentary, but is uh, fashioning itself to look like one. Yeah, for comedy's sake. Yeah, or just- um, and we're gonna start with. Freddie. We'll start with me. And so I had to go. You know me. You know me by now. I'm a I'm a 65-year-old man. Um, <laughs> so, In a 27-year-old body. Yeah. You're I a guy that turns with, it to 11. Yeah. I had to go with the classic. 
Benjamin Button over here. Yeah. <laughs> I had to go with the classic. I had to go with This is Spinal Tap. Oh. Because these two hooligans over here have not seen this. I've seen it. I have not tap. seen Oh, well, Connor's seen Just, I'm the only hooligan. I guess I, I'm just so caught off guard by the fact that Emma didn't even know what This is Spinal nope, Tap was. That nope. I just, Never that's heard a real of Spinal shocker. Tap until very recently. Yeah. So, This is Spinal Tap was released in 1984. Um, there. I don't. I don't have a streaming service that you can currently watch this on. I you cannot stream it, but you can uh, buy it. You can't rent it. You can't rent it. <laughs> you can only it. buy it. Wow. Okay. You can only so, buy it off um, of the you places heard it that we said first, folks. Put on your eye patch and your and your um, yar matey accents and watch this is spinal tap and if you hat. need a site for it i heard of a site called www.internetarchives just maybe search this is spinal tap with internet archive next to it and there might be a download for that i don't know yeah. you didn't hear it from I don't me know. maybe but also you can get this from your local live this is a definite like Maybe go to your local library. They will definitely have a copy of this. This is a one that is yeah. like physical media. When we're talking about physical media, why it needs to be preserved. Like there, there's yeah. so and many. Also, so, yeah. yeah. And you have about like three weeks to watch this. Yeah, exactly. So, that's why we're so giving you the time. Hands that's why I kind we're of made so sure Freddie was the first yeah. with this. Because this hopefully gives a lot of people enough time An to idea. find yeah. a yeah. copy of this movie. <laughs> I will say, um... With that, we were just talking about physical media earlier. Buy um, this this movie is very abundant. Like this is Spinal Tap is a popular movie. Um, it's not as talked about as it used to be, but it's like this is this is a movie know, people... that is directed by the guy that did The Princess Bride to put the audience yes. in perspective. This is this yeah. guy and Henry met so like, when Henry met Sally. Like go, he is go to... a good director. Yeah, go right. to a secondhand, uh, go to a secondhand movie store if it's not at your local library, and uh, you can probably buy a copy of This Is Spinal Tap for like two dollars. Yep, that's how I yeah. got it. So <laughs> cool, cool. So we're gonna take a break for a couple weeks. Enjoy your holidays, but don't forget about us. We will be back in 2024 at the beginning of no, January. So look out for us. <laughs> Make mm-hmm. sure you don't forget about Triple Feature. Um, it's been great, everybody. Yeah, real quick, bonus. If you want to get your little extra, a little extra, an, an appetizer for your mockumentary feast yes, that is yes. Spinal Tap, yeah, 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 um, yeah. just go go on uh, go on Google, do a little search. Ooh, Google, shout out, real quick. Y'all put Agnes Varda as the Google Doodle <laughs> yesterday okay. from All the right. day we're recording this. Thank you. <laughs> and back on track. Look up. <laughs> Look up Swiss Spaghetti Harvest on Google and just watch. Watch the video. It's a very early mockumentary piece. It'll get you right in the zone. And uh, you can thank me later. Cool, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so make sure you are following us on Letterboxd and you are subscribing to the podcast. If you have not already, please rate and review um, give us five stars because we're that good. And um, yeah, thanks for sticking around and listening to us. We're out. Thank you. See you next year. Later. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye.